Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Shane Coppin. Shane uh, Shane is Chief Executive Officer of PMSA, Presbyterian and Methodist Schools Association. Welcome to the podcast, Shane. Thank you, Jono. Good to be here. First of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at PMSA? Okay, so the the PMSA is an organisation that's been in existence for a bit over 100 years, about 103, 104 years. We have a history of running four very high-quality independent private schools, all aligned with um, the Uniting and Presbyterian Church in Brisbane. So we're the owners of the Brisbane Boys College, Somerville House, Clayfield College, and recently the Sunshine Coast Grammar School on the Sunshine Coast. So we've had a long-standing history. Um, over that period, we tens of thousands of students through our schools, very long history in regards to being one of the leading education sources in the Brisbane area. And so the yeah, role fantastic. of the PMSA is is as the, um, the governing body or the owner of the organisation and the role that we now play is to support and facilitate um, the growth and development of our schools and to also look at opportunities that will help them grow into the future and the future of education in the longer term, but also new opportunities where we may be able to expand our product and our, our resources or even our um, campuses into new areas. Fantastic. Thank you for unpacking that. So to get started, I'd love to find out about your story. Even let's, uh, let's start by going back to your childhood growing up. What were the moments, you know, or the themes in that season that, uh, that really shaped you to become the leader you are today, Shane? Um, look, I grew up at predominantly in the bottom of Victoria. So I was a bit of a country, I was born out of Melbourne and we lived down south part of Melbourne, down the Red Hill Balnaring area. And then we moved across towards, um, a little place called Timboon, tiny little place, 800, um, person town, dairy farming area down near Port Campbell and Warrnambool. But I guess from, and we moved there when I was about eight, but from an early age, what I remember is being passionate about sport, being very heavily involved in sport and participating in that. Um, But I spent a lot of time, I guess, we had a property of about 100 acres, just exploring and creating, um, you know, stories in my mind and playing games on weekends and just exploring through the property, but equally playing sport. So maybe when I reflect back some of that time about, you know, trying to find journeys and create opportunities or visualize things in your mind. Perhaps that's led me a little bit towards my leadership journey. Um, and then when I was about 16, I moved and went to the US for a year and uh, spent time with a family in Arkansas and finished my year 12 studies 
in the US and that was probably a point in my in my life where I really grew and became quite independent because I was away from home, away from family. Back then there was no mobile phones, so if you wanted to communicate you still did it. You had to record on a tape and send it back via um, normal mail and phone calls were horrendous prices and we might have one of those every now and then. But it, it encouraged me to become very independent, I guess, from an early age and to to learn to make decisions that um, and make judgments from that age. So I haven't often thought about the question that you asked, but I think when I do now, thinking back, a number of those steps set me on a path where I became responsible for my own decisions, had to form my own outlooks and, and make dis- views, and also at the same time get a sense of independence and resilience to the challenges that I faced. Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's incredible. I, as you grew a bit older, do you remember your first leadership opportunity? It might have been when you were still very young, might have been a bit older, where you were managing a group of people or you were leading a, a project or starting something on your own. Do you remember? Do you remember what that first sort of leadership opportunity was? Yeah, I think. Um, look, I always when when I was sport, I always and and I played AFL and I played basketball and, and tennis predominantly. I also played some squash, but I I very much wanted to get in. And my parents managed a sporting center, and I was always keen to get involved and work as part of that. And um, I would end up as I grew having shifts in that organization from you know young age. And just trying to take some leadership response. I'm not sure if I would have said it was leadership at the time. I think it was about taking responsibility for helping support and manage that business and help my parents in in the operation of that business. Then obviously on having a farm and working in that environment, you also take responsibility. So I'm not sure if I thought it was always leadership at that time, but possibly a lot more around trying to become a bit more responsible and a contributor. The one example that I can think when I was my first year of university, so I wasn't that young, but I was probably 18 at the time, and I um, came back from university and I decided that I wanted to run a basketball camp, and it was part of my fundraising to sort of get myself through the holidays and to prepare for the next year of university. So I took on the role to create, and this was when we were living in Mildura, but create an opportunity to devise a a week-long camp for kids, market that camp, manage all aspects, get other coaches involved and manage all the catering and the bits and pieces. And and in some ways, I think that is a leadership piece. But I, I think maybe over the time, all the pieces of just trying to organize things, take responsibility, create opportunities, all leads towards ultimately becoming a leader and and traits of leadership. Yeah, I love what you said there because I think so many leaders look back and often the things that really shape us as leaders aren't necessarily things that at the time we we realize are leadership opportunities, you know, but they really do shape us. And I think it should encourage us with our own young people and young leaders is that uh, you know, sometimes giving people leadership opportunities can look doesn't have to be your stereotypical. Here's a chance to lead. It can really be you know anything can be a leadership lesson and any project like you said. Where I, I love how you mentioned the family sort of business and those sort of things. That there are so many leadership lessons uh, 
available there. And for us in work, you know, in the teams we lead, there are, if we can just sort of look at things a little bit left field and just have a different perspective, there's often things around what we're doing now or different projects or different working groups we can create that can really give people who may not have a job title of leader a chance to take something on, lead a group of people, even just uh, step out into into leadership for the first time. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you on that. I think um, I often use a term that I don't think you can understand what you don't experience or you need to experience to understand either which way. But I think it's, and I think as we progress over the, the years and you, you get to a position and you're regarded as a leader, um, which is really nice to be regarded in that sense, I don't think I ever set about to become a leader. I think I just wanted to experience and and immerse myself in the opportunities that presented. And through that, you become, you, you learn. And by learning, hopefully then you can share what you learned with others and traits like that become one of leadership. And I think you must, you, you always need to be willing to, to back yourself, but also equally be willing to be vulnerable enough that you might make a mistake and, and but trust yourself to fix that mistake and learn from that mistake. And I think throughout life, if you continue to take that mindset, that helps develop, you know, what I guess people judge now as, as traits and, and a sense of leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sort of fast forwarding from there, we talked a little bit about uh, that, that time in university. As you think about your career so far and you think about that sort of season, university and post-university, and do you remember any yeah. particularly sort of pivotal moments in that in those times where that, that have really shaped you into the leader you are today? Anything in that sort of the earlier part of your career, Shane? Um, look, yeah, I, I've always, I came out of university, came out of university and I, I worked in sport for a period of a couple of years looking after a, um, a sporting center of all places in Mildura squash center back in the days when squash centers were quite large and swimming pool and all those pieces. And that was a really ex interesting experience. I was pretty young. I was with my then, um, my, my wife at the time and we were um, managing this complex working long long hours but you're sort of thrust into a business and you spend a lot of your time in that business and then I moved back into Canberra and I ended up working um, for volleyball at a period and then I moved across later on into basketball and where I'm going with the journey in basketball I was quite young what I would say pretty young at the time I was 26 I'd gone in there working in um, a sports administrator role. The organisation had manager director and other staff and a board. And basketball was the, the sport that I was very passionate about. I was a coach. So I guess throughout my whole career from sort of that 17, 18, probably 18 through to that time I'd been very passionate about being a basketball coach and uh, coaching at the highest level. So I guess in some ways that's a leadership trait you're trying to take on. I, I really enjoyed leading teams and trying to improve and, and get the best out of, an, out of a group of people in performance. But where I'm going with this story is that at that age, um, it was recognized by the then board and I was offered an opportunity to step up from this junior role after being in the job for about a year or so to 
yeah. actually taking on a general the general manager's role with that organization. Um, and I was only like 26, 27. I had a very, I had a young son at the time and, you know, and I jumped at the opportunity and, uh, it was probably, you know, the, 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 the managing director that had been, they just shifted him to the side, which probably wasn't in fairness, the, the right decision for him or for me. But I, I jumped at the decision and took the opportunity to become the leader of that organization while he was moved to the side. It was difficult. It was challenging. Um, I don't sort of suggest anyone that that's the ideal way through. But that pivotal moment from coming from there to trying to lead an organization at such a young age really put me into a whole new mindset. And I became very responsible for so many others whilst also managing the dynamics of um, the previous leader sitting on the side and working with a new board. So when I think back, that is probably one of those pivotal moments where you know, I took the opportunity to step up and back myself into yeah. what was a pretty challenging role at that time. But wow. I think you need to be willing as a leader. You, you know, you sort of just have that. You just back yourself and you say, I, I can do this. And um, But what you learn through that process is enormous. And I've had a few of those moments through my career when I think back that I, I've stepped into an area and you just learn enormously and you grow through a period of time. And I think that's the pivotal point where I transitioned from being probably more just uh, what I would have said at the time was an administrator and someone on that journey to stepping into a, a whole new leadership role. Yeah, I love that because because so many, uh, you know, all of us have the perfect script, don't we? Oh, it'd be great. You know, that's the role I'd love next. And everyone I talk to, one thing, there's a number of patterns uh, that, that have come out of the podcast that I've really enjoyed watching. One thing is no one's path has really been linear. Everyone talks about how, uh, you know, and for you, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking, wow, what a, what a challenging role to take on this, this role where not only do you have a board, but then you've got the leader who was in the role previously sitting, sitting there beside you. And that's, that's, oh, wow, that's fraught with um, challenges. Um, what were your biggest yeah. learning? Like, what were the biggest lessons you learned about leadership through that season? Oh, that was that was tough because you you come in as sort of in in that organisation wasn't a massive organisation, but you come in as a as probably one of the last employees in the group, and then all of a sudden you're accelerated over other staff to this role. So you're you're managing the relationship with the prior managing director at the time who was just sitting to the side. So you're trying to manage that whole dynamic. And, and trying to give them purpose, knowing that, you know, they're quite happy if you fail in any which way, and you usually became the venting point. But at the, equally, at the same time, you, you, had to be, you had to be the leader yourself and project that to all the other staff. So you had to then all of a sudden be their leader, and they're looking at you for all the answers and directions. But at the same time, you're still trying to learn from the person sitting across from you who no longer is reporting to you and you're reporting to them. So it's a really interesting. I think one of the, the, the learnings I tried to take away from that was to learn to listen to people and to try and realize that it was okay not to have all the answers. But one of the ways to be successful was to try and create an environment where others felt really 
engaged and empowered because I knew and it became, you know, you think you know all the answers, you don't know all the answers and you, you can't do everything and you're, you're only going to be as good as the relationships and the performance that you can get out of the people that you're working with or are working with you on these journeys. So I think that was one of the biggest challenges. I think the other one is I, I had a big eye-opener on a board. Never let a board move someone sideways on you. You've, you've really got to, they need to step up and set some real boundaries. And, and if they want to make that hard change, make that. So I, I, I learned a lot about working with boards and the need to have the board be, have clarity and ensure that your role was supported so that you could do what you needed to because everyone was looking for you to have that. You couldn't have the, you needed to have a very clear line of who was responsible for what and accountable. Yeah, that's so good. It's um, it's so challenging with with boards because, you know, when you're getting a role like that, you just you're getting excited. You're like, wow, this is going to be amazing, and it may not be your first thought to really push back or or to clarify. But anyone who's been through a situation like that with an unclear situation with a board will know just how yeah. like it's 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 um for for people who haven't led up to a board before, it's like. It's, it's even more challenging than having a difficult leader because you've got these multiple stakeholders. You get less time with them. They, you know, anything that's not clear, their number one job really more than anything else is about you being hired or fired. So you need to be super, super clear. And anything that's not clear at the start shouldn't be ignored. You really do want, it, it's really worth its weight in gold to clarify it's a, if you can. And it's a, yeah, and it's a really tough thing to do when you're 26 or 28 and you've been thrust into your first job. You know, you are, you've sort of jumped on that opportunity. You feel, um, you know, you're so excited and you've got all this trust. But really, in a lot of ways, you're pretty raw about that experience. So, you know, these are one of those learned experiences that I think you've just got to go through. I look at it from my time. I, I look back very fondly at what happened and what we achieved. Would I do it again? Yeah, I would, even though I know what I walked into. Um, but I think that creates a sense of resilience. But obviously, as you as you advance through time and through your career, you probably come a little bit more in tuned, in tuned with, um, with a board and how to work with your board and manage your board to help you do your job a lot more. And in that case, I probably needed to and it was nothing against the the prior managing director, but I probably that we worked like that for two years. So it was a pretty tough relationship. I probably needed them to push them and help them find an exit for that individual more gracefully earlier, and that would have probably helped their life and mine over that two year journey. But um, hindsight and experience is a wonderful thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a CEO and a leader's role also to really support and help their board with those difficult and challenging decisions at times too. Yeah, uh, what what advice, any other advice you'd give to leaders? There might be people listening who are just, you know, they're stepping into a new role or there's something on the horizon in the next couple of months where they'll be taking a role for the first time ever where they will be reporting directly to a board. Any other advice you'd give about how to set some boundaries initially and just generally anything that, that you've learned that's really helpful? Yeah, look, I, I think boundaries, 
if you've got a good board, they'll they'll understand the boundaries. I think I it was explained to me once before that you know imagine a board or and and directors on a board and that are scuba divers, they you know they'll float across the top of the water and they'll look down at the organisation and every now and then they'll dive down and they'll have a look inside the business or they'll have a look in here or there. But they they don't have an oxygen tank, so they'll they'll pop back up. They can't stay down there for long, and I think that's a really good analogy because. But I think what leaders need to do, and and particularly if you're starting out, you need to understand and respect that the board has a right, and and it is their responsibility to come and ask these questions. It's and don't deem every question or every um, request to look into things um, a question of your ability or your performance. It's about them helping them to understand the business. And I think you need to become very measured and very, you need to work with your board and help them understand the business so that they can make the decisions that they need. And I think if you try and close it all up from them, then you're simply not building that collegial collaborative relationship that you need to have with your board to progress the organization. So when they talk about boundaries, I probably don't use that terminology. I think it's about identifying the roles that we each play Mm. in that governance structure and working within those to create the best team between a board and a leader or CEO to to manage and drive the organisation forward. Obviously, the more experienced the board, they understand governance to management. Some boards... um, tend to be very operational and I think that sometimes you've got to look at where they've come from and maybe that's when you have to just sort of say hang on a minute happy for you to have a look but you know you need to you need to leave this part to me on management the other piece some other pieces of advice my from my experience is keep your board informed socialize with your board if you want to make have decisions made with your board don't just drop it in a paper and present it to them cold Socialise that discussion prior to meetings. Um, let Reach out when you send the papers out. Reach out, ask them if they've got questions. Try and preempt a lot of it before you get into the boardroom when you are requesting people to make decisions. Um, make sure that you're giving them relevant information. Ensure you keep the emotion out of the papers and the commentary that you're having. Um, you need to be very clear and calm in your thoughts and in when you t- you're working with your board. Um, and see them as a colleague. Don't see them as a judge. See them as a real colleague and and someone... Your job is to enable your team and the organisation to advance and to be able to do what it needs to do. And equally, the board's role is there to do that for you. So, So really see them as colleagues in the journey that you're doing and build some rapport with them. It's a really important piece in my view. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. One question that comes to mind for me is um, what advice would you give a leader who is really excited about a potential role that they're looking at but is very worried about the board, that there are some big red flags? How much of stepping into a relationship where potentially the board doesn't get the scuba diving analogy and they they try to live down there? or vice versa, or they're they're very removed. Um, you know, in your from your perspective, yeah. is that something that's manageable as a leader, or is that a um, watch out, don't go anywhere near it sort of situation, or somewhere in between? 
No, no, look, I think all those things are manageable. And I think it's important to to understand that boards are cyclical because they change, as does management. And um, one, of the, one of the things to look at is, is why is the board at that level? If, if you're looking at the analogy of or the example where the board is quite hands-on and looking from a very heavy operational sense, it's trying to, if you're the leader coming in, try and determine why is that the case. Is that because they didn't have the, the trust in the previous management? Is it the mannerisms or the characteristics of those individual board members? The key relationship is the relationship between the chair. Um, is it the chair that's in there? Are they acting more like a managing director than a chair? Um, do do the analysis there, but try to understand the, the rationale and the reasons why. And is it that there's no real clear line of, you know, governance structure? Is there a board chart that clearly defines the parameters? Is there a decent, is there a good set of delegations of authority so the organisation can operate? Is there historical reasons that the organisation hasn't, or management haven't managed situations that the board have felt inclined to get involved, and then look through the board as to those who you think get it and get the structure and, and the way it should work and build the relationships there and, and slowly interject that, you know, you're the, you're the manager, you're the leader, you want me to be accountable, you need me to be responsible. And therefore, you need me to make that. You need to let me make those decisions, and you start to build that relationship there. And obviously, if, if your chair is in sync with you, it's a lot easier because you work through the process of of altering people. But my my key there is to look at why. When you have board members who are less inclined to be engaged, a lot would say that's probably advantage. Um, but also have a look at that, why that is. Is, is it because they've got too much on in their life? Um, is, it, is it their personality? And, you know, I can think of examples where I've had both on the same board, people who are dis very never speak in a board meeting, others who speak constantly and try and look in. Um, and it's just learning to work with those individuals. But don't discount the one who doesn't speak much. They, they tend to have a lot of knowledge. And if you can get to them one-on-one -on -one at times, you really do get another insight. So mm. I would never not take on a role for that um, yeah, to okay. answer a short question in a long way. But ask, your, ask the questions why and try and work that out and then set about how to improve that situation. No, I love that. I think that's a great response. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, so interested to know, apart from what you've already mentioned, are there any other aha moment turning points where the penny really dropped for you in your career, where they, they stand out, sort of burned in your memory and any more of those moments through the rest of your career so far that, uh, that, that are worth sharing Shane? Oh, look, I've, I've had a few of those. <laughs> um, I went through a pretty significant uh, piece of work with um, cycling and mountain bike and BMX for a period there and, and resulted in a merger and the, the establishment of Oz Cycling. And I, I remember the merger piece was about a three-year piece of work when we started the early discussions. And at that time, our board, so if you happy to indulge me on a couple of little journeys here but that board um yeah please. at the time we weren't 
we weren't sure whether we were committed to that decision. And uh, we, we were at one point saying, well, we're not sure that this merger is right for us. And I think equally we could have very easily gone that way. But what we did is we sat down and we, we looked at the business and um, said, what is, you know, can we grow beyond where we are? Can we become more relevant? Can we provide better? Are we, or are we, you know, at a point where we, we need a catalyst to grow and the merger became a catalyst? Where I'm going with this is that that, that was a really interesting discussion because the board was of a view, well, whatever the CEO says is, is where we need, or, you know, there was a very strong indication that wherever the CEO said we needed to go and we were quite resistant and then I came to a meeting and I remember saying, you know, like anything, there's no guarantees, but I think I've looked at where we are and looked at our longer term future and where we can be and we will be far better through this merger because of X, Y, Z. And it was really quite interesting to see the whole shift in the board went, okay, we can now see that. And I think as a leader that they're one of those moments where, you know, there's this sense of, you know, just, just respect that they, they, they honestly believe in your view and where you're going and that you're able to shift the board and then ultimately the board got behind that decision and the, and the merger progressed. There was that one. There was other ones where we, you know, we were sitting there faced at one point in an organisation and we looked at looked at an example of do we do we roll ourselves up and just sort of wither or do we really take on, on a challenge? And what I've found is that boards like anyone are looking for that leader and they're looking for the leader within the board but they're also looking for the leader within the organization and as ceo or a leader in a business you need to be able to have the ambition and the belief in yourself that you can uh, progress and that you can um you can make a change and that that uh that you're open to opportunities as that presents. And I think that's a really important point that you have to be open. I haven't really given you an example exactly <laughs> right. here, but what, what I'm trying to say is that um, when I think back, there's been so many, but a lot of it's about just having a belief and a trust in yourself. And uh, you can't be so close-minded I remember, I'll give you one, we, we, we sat there with Oz Cycling and we, um, I remember going around and we were presenting this whole new model of what the sport could be and people were saying, how can we vote for this? You have, where's your operations manual? And we had no operations manual. We had a model and we had a new framework of, of what could be. And people are saying, I can't vote for you to give you this organisation unless I can look at the, the operations manual for how this business is going to operate. And my comment back at the time was, I'll spend all this time and I'll write a 1,500-page operation manual or whatever number of pages it's got, and you will read it and you will tear it apart. Or I can sell you a framework and a vision and I can ask you to join me to build the operations manual because that's going to be a far better organization if you can get involved and help me build the operations of that business. So I think 
where I'm going with that is to say that you need to be willing to accept the help of others, understand that you don't have all the answers. Sometimes you're just trying to change one part so that others can then get involved and build the whole. And I think as leaders, that's a really important piece that don't think you have to have every answer. Find the best people and get them to help you complete the outcome or the objective or the dream that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's that's really profound, actually, because it's, uh, I think, one of the keys people are asking at the moment, one of the biggest questions I'm hearing in education, but also across other industries is how do you find and keep great people? And I think what you just unpacked there in how you related to the board is also so true for leading teams. It's to say to people, um, it's if you want to find and keep great people, then have a big vision and invite people to come in and actually help you build it together with you. And I think, um, I think that's harder to do than like, than it is to say, like it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, but I think if we can do that, people love, if you can actually sell the vision, if you can really get people to buy in, then you can get great people to say, you know what, I'm in, I will, I will sacrifice a bunch of things if I can be part of building this. Yeah, no, you're so true. And it's, you know, the cliche is, you know, get people to have ownership, empower people, but you've actually got to find a mechanism to activate that. And you've got to find a way for people to feel that 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 is true and that, that sense of ownership. And sometimes as a leader, that means that where they take something might be a little bit, you know, not quite where you thought it was going to be. Your role as a leader is not necessarily to then take control and lead it in, a, in another direction. You never know what they might achieve, that, that little slight change of direction but what you need to be doing is keep encouraging them keep testing the environment keep challenging the environment so that they do feel this sense of ownership they do problem solve their way to outcomes um and often i think you get a much better better result because the long-term sustainability and and relevance of something or deliverables of a project or a concept or anything that you're trying to do if those people, if, if your colleagues and staff have been a part of cr- really creating that outcome, then they have this real sense of pride in its long-term success. They haven't just inherited it. They've actually developed yeah. it. And, and I Absolutely. think that's a really powerful piece that needs to be there. That's so good, Shane. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you. Uh, the first one is, what is a okay. book that you've gifted to other people? A book that I've gifted to other people. Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm about to gift. There's a new book just coming out from Kinsey called CEO Excellence. And I plan on gifting that around because that's stories of a number of um, CEOs and, and the journeys they've been. So I'm about to gift that to a few of my staff. Yeah, that's great. Love it. Um, what about right now? Are you in the middle of any books, uh, listening to any podcasts, blogs that you're reading, or just anything else you're really enjoying watching, listening, reading to right now? Listening to or reading right now? <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah, I'm reading a book right now about what school could be from the US, talking about the advancements of school and different methods of teaching. I, I don't come from an education background, so I'm trying to bring myself up to speed in this space. 
listen to a lot of, I, I still read a lot of the, um, the Harvard Business Review articles that come through, but that is the, the only book that I'm reading. I've got to profess, I still spend a lot of time watching old-time sport docos. I still find them very inspiring, um, and the stories like that. And I think you can learn leadership from anywhere. So yeah, absolutely. I encourage, and so I do try to keep it pretty broad. Um, yeah. What else? No, that's probably it right at the minute. You you have me intrigued about the uh, sports docos because I love sports documentaries and, and sports autobiographies and biographies. Any uh, favourite sports documentaries? Oh, well, yeah, look, I... Being my history in basketball, I can't help but say I haven't watched um, the recent Michael Jordan series twice now. But I was watching one recently about um, the Buffalo Bills NFL team who uh, went to four Super Bowls and didn't win, and that's a pretty tough deal. But the resilience that created in that community as a result of that is just phenomenal. So uh, I found that one really intriguing and really quite interesting. Um, and yeah, no, they're, they're the two recent ones that I've watched, but the Buffalo Bills, um, I think it was the Fall Falls of Buffalo or something it was called. Fantastic. I'll check that out. That, uh, I can't even imagine. Talk about resilience. That's, that's, um, Mm. that's, uh, that's amazing. Um, what is a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Um, I'm constantly reminded, I, I, look, I think the one that I, that is the most prevalent, I think it's the one that's really relevant as a leader is that you have to constantly be authentic and you need to be true to yourself and you need to always maintain a sense of calmness in, in discussions because a lot of the times you, you have to deliver or you're, you're talking about things that people can get quite emotional about don't necessarily agree with and one of the lessons I learned um, from a gentleman that I really valued was and he given me a bit of a serve um, this was back in my days in sport and it was about some communication stuff which is fine it's interesting everyone hits the soft button and says communication is always the problem and and I suggest that that is there's a sense of truth in there but I think we need to learn about you know, we have to recognize are people hearing what we're saying. But where I was going with this was we thought we'd done a great job communicating. They thought we hadn't. And I got a little bit of a, a little bit of a lesson on that. But what that individual taught me and really made me re- reflect on is the comment was, I don't, it, don't ever not tell me what you need to tell me. Be truthful always. It's not for you to judge how I'm going to react to what you're going to tell me by shaping what you tell me. You tell me the you tell me the same you tell me you be consistent, be transparent, be authentic and honest. And how I react is not your responsibility. That is for me. Yeah. But if you don't tell me the truth or you're not authentic, I, I, I'm reacting to the wrong messaging. And I think that's a really important lesson as leaders. No one likes to deliver bad news. No one likes to have to be that person at times. But you've just got to make sure that you stay true to yourself, your principles, and and judge that how people react is really for them, but also sympathise that, you know, sometimes what you have to tell them is not always the most pleasant. 
I love that lesson because it reminds me of a Patrick Lencioni thought, uh, which is around what politics is in organizations and how to get rid of politics as much as possible. And sometimes the question is, well, what do we mean by politics? And uh, Patrick Lencioni talks about politics being any time you are communicating something, say it's say it's within a leadership team, anytime you're sitting there communicating something based on what what you want to achieve, you know, and and or what you yeah. what you want to you know, what do you what you want to see happen and and it's very when you see that definition you go, Oh wow, there's politics um everywhere and obviously we always have some sort of like uh it's natural to have an agenda of some sort but the idea is well what if we can actually help to create organizations like you just described where people know you know what just just turn up and say exactly what you think exactly how you feel um you know and be willing to i love the phrase disagree and commit so let's actually really have it out without any sort of mixed um, agendas or let's just, let's really have a robust conversation or conversations about this and then make the best decision we can. And, uh, and I love that definition of politics and, and that just what you shared really reminded me of that idea of how can I approach my boss in a way that I, I'm not worried about how I I try to remove the responsibility from myself of how they react and just focus on telling them, um, the facts, the truth in an authentic way. Yeah, and I think uh, you're right. And I think the learning is too that not only should we apply that when we're speaking to someone, but we need to be mindful of that when someone's delivering news to us. And uh, I, I think one of the, I was just reflecting on what you're saying, one of the really interesting pieces as a leader in. Um, it is okay not to have all the answers. And I know often people think, well, I'm the leader, I need to have all the answers. You don't. And one of the real skills of being a good leader, I think, is to sit with people in a forum, in a room, around a table, around a coffee, and try and get them to draw, discuss and to try and draw the answers out from them by just prompting the discussion. And I think that's probably one of those unsaid skills of leadership is to try and bring draw outcomes out of others by just prompting the discussion and whilst you're not having yes. you're not the voice in the room that's the loudest you're actually getting the outcome by creating other voices much louder than yours yeah and that's why you know what you mentioned there is one of the reasons i'm so passionate about accountability and calling people on poor behavior because it's one thing when you have that loud person in the room that you everyone needs to walk on eggshells around because they do not handle they they aren't able to do the things we've talked about here and it's easy to avoid dealing with them because they're often really difficult people to have to hold accountable and as a leader you sometimes you think i can't go there today i just need to get to the end of this meeting to the end of this outcome (laughs) but the problem is that people when you have someone like that in the room and you don't call them you're willing to walk past that behavior i feel like it also stifles so much of that because then you know what it's like every time people go to say something they're in the corner of their eye they're thinking oh how do i you know i need to be a bit careful with how i say this because of bob Uh and it's like well well actually we need to do something about that and not just because it's for bob's best and for the team's best but because you're creating by by allowing that behavior you are actually creating and allowing politics in your in your team. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, as we return to work from hybrid modes and things like that, which, you know, hybrid, you know, I believe hybrid um, work arrangements will continue for, for many years. And I think that's a good thing. But I, I do think that if those behaviours are allowed to occur, that you'll see people avoid the office. And that's a lot for those reasons. And that's the last thing that you want occurring as an employer. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like the shadow, the the dark side of uh, of remote work is is how do we, you know, there's it's it's a part of life. We need to embrace it, and we need to understand that um, yeah, different. <laughs> you don't want people avoiding work because they're avoiding that being around that person, um, or you know, there's there's lots of. It's not as black and white and as simple as everyone should be able to work from home. Hooray! It's great. It's 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 nuanced. Um, and uh, we need to, yeah. I think over the coming years, that'll, that'll be a big challenge actually for leaders. Uh, well, just mm. keeping my eye on the clock and this has been so much fun, Shane, we could keep, we could keep going, but let me ask you one more question. Yeah, no, um, it's been, sure. If you could, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? Learn to listen. Really, I think one of the really key things as a leader is to try and learn to listen and by that I mean really hear what the problem and the challenge is don't don't just hear the noise try and actually understand what you're hearing um, because often often there's something else that, that is inside there if you've got some challenges and trying to find the root of the problem by listening I think is a really important skill the other piece is to ensure you remain and I, I'm used to here but keep perspective really try and keep perspective about your role um, and the role of others and what you're all trying to achieve because I think that helps to keep your mind on the task but it also helps to keep um, you know make sure that you keep some fun in in what you're doing it's got to be fun and so I really encourage people to keep perspective um, in whatever that they're doing relevant to what they're doing because it is important that there's balance in that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some really great, uh, great thoughts there, Shane. Um, so as we draw to a close, for people who've really enjoyed hearing your perspective and uh, interested even in PMSA, they might be on the other side of the world and just interested in what, what you're doing in education over here, where can people find you and uh, PMSA online? Okay, so we're at PMSA uh, dash schools dot edu uh, dot oh, you've got me now pmsa dot edu dot au um, you can get me at scoppin at pmsa dash schools dot edu dot au um, and I'm more than happy for anyone to reach out if they've got any questions or would like a chat or anything like that. I very much believe in, I had a lot of people who helped me in my career and if I can be of any help to anyone, I'm more than happy to do that in return. Wonderful. Well, uh, it's been so much fun 
chatting with Shane today. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. This has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget for our listeners, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Shane, for being so generous with your time and uh, and just sharing some, some great stories and wonderful leadership wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for being a blast. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content. And it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. 
Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.